Hi, welcome to Ink Pulp Audio. Today's episode's a little different. I recorded a episode of Word Balloon with John Suntries and um, their discussion and through some thought. It seemed like a good idea to release it on here as well. He was it was his suggestion. And uh, I thought it was a good one. The comic book podcasting community is fairly small, and uh, I mean, I'm guilty of not being very involved in it. And this was a nice chance to talk to another podcaster. Although our podcasts are different, uh, I think they're both very healthy to have in our industry. So, uh, yeah, I recorded one with John, and that's why I'm going to release it here. And there's another reason I'm releasing it here, which you'll hear at the end of my podcast, and I'll mention now. But um, let me back up a little bit. If you're a loyal listener, you've known this podcast as it's grown, and you've known me as I've grown, and you've heard me whine and complain and talk about all the difficulties and struggles I'm having in life that I mean everyone has their own struggles I've talked about mine and um, so I've recently said or decided to look at everything look I'm uh, my career this year has had the worst year I've I've ever had I've Basically, I've had around, I've been hired to draw what is equivalent to a little over one issue of comics this year. Normally, I do five to six. So that means four-fifths of my salary this year didn't come in. And as you know, I wasn't, I was having my financial struggles before, so this year has just been really challenging. I've been able to make up some of the lost income, the original art sales, so maybe I lost three fifths of my income this year. So that caused me to kind of wake up and look at myself and not complain and not feel sorry for myself and not get angry but seriously ask myself what's going on and in a freelance industry you have things work in cycles and circles and you have ups and you have downs and um, so you can't really look for an answer into why am I not getting hired I mean I've come to realize I'm damn good at what I do, so I certainly can't blame the quality of the work on why I'm not getting hired. I can honestly look at my work and say it's unique, and that can be hard to place when you're not a name. I think being unique when you've become popular is an incredible asset. Uh, But when you're not popular, it makes it hard for work to come by. 
But I'm not about to change that about myself. My art is who I am, and I, I draw what feels right and what comes naturally. I can't force myself to draw like someone else or in a different style. It just, I, I mean, I chose this. Uh, this chose me. I mean, honestly, being an artist was never a choice. If I don't do it, I'll be really unhappy. And as hard as it's been and as as unhappy as I've been, it'd be worse. So I'm not I'm not going to change my style. And I, I look, one day I'll break through and that that style of mine will be my asset. So I can't look to change that. So I looked at myself and I said, "Hey, you're down a lot." And while I could justify it, it didn't matter. There's an anger and bitterness in you. And while I could justify it, it didn't matter. So let me work on me. And let me change myself. So if you've been listening very recently, I'm really working on me and being positive and all that. And while it sounds like this is negative, it's going somewhere. Um, so recently, a friend of mine, she works in a salon. There are two owners of the salon. One does my hair and this friend trims my beard. And, you know, they open their own business and there's a real kinship, I feel, with this salon called Root Salon and the woman who does my hair and now Jamie who does my beard but they're, they're struggling artists too and they're doing very well and I'm watching their careers blossom and they're really incredible at what they do and it's great to see now Jamie is a single mom she has a uh, a daughter who's a senior in high school a daughter who wants nothing more than to be a marine biologist and who has truly dedicated her life to pursuing this dream. Jamie is incredibly skilled in her field, but hasn't broken through in a big way. And being a single mom is hard enough, so she has her own financial challenges. But she keeps pushing and she has an incredibly positive attitude. So that really inspires me. So she's been saving uh, cash tips for a while to help with her daughter's first year of college. Now she puts all her money into her daughter. I mean, her daughter's been to these super expensive marine biology camps. Uh, that are in North Carolina. And she's put a lot into her daughter. And she had been saving this money to help for her daughter's first year of college it, to go to the place she wanted to, to enroll in the program she wanted to. And she had this money in cash, in a safe, in her house. And so I'm broken, opened the safe, 
took the cash and left. They took nothing else. They did no other damage. So it was someone who's familiar with the layout of the place, someone who's familiar with what was in the safe. The, they have a dog. The dog did not react in an aggressive way, so the dog must have been familiar with the person. And while they, she has a good feeling of who it was, that person had an alibi, and that was enough for the cops. So, and insurance isn't going to cover any of it. So she lost $8,000 cash. Now I heard that, and I was in my, this is a real shitty world mode. And with the political landscaping, what it's being, and everything, look around. It's not hard to find shitty stuff everywhere. And I just thought, with the year I'm having financially, what if that had happened to us, my family? How devastating would that have been? I mean, that's her life savings. And it was just gone. So, I thought, instead of wallowing in the misery, maybe we can turn a perceived negative into a positive. I realized I had some power in this situation. I could call upon all my artist friends and ask them if they would donate whatever they could invest in in terms of time in a Batman sketch and out of the kindness of so many artists heart they they did it and are doing it and I'm we're going to auction off these pieces on eBay starting today the day this comes out Check my social media for all the links. We're going to have an eBay auction for the artwork. I've got... I can't believe the, the, the names I have involved in this. Uh, I mean, every week we're going to release another five or six for the auctions that will last about a week. But I've got... I mean, you can imagine the guests of my show. I've got Eric Canetti... I've got Mateo, I've got Becky Cloonan, Klaus Jansen did one, Tim Sale did one, Dan Pnosian did one, uh, Ben Gall's mailing me one from France right now, Sean Murphy is working on one for me, I've got Raphael Albuquerque, Mahmoud Asrar, uh, <laughs> Wando, Dustin Nguyen did two little sketches. That will auction off as a single unit. Declan Shalvey did one. And Rod Reese did one. John Timms did one. I've just got so many coming in and, and half of which are already in hand. And I am blown away that people were just this kind to do this. It's asking a lot when you ask an artist to do a free sketch. Because we're all, all uh, what we don't have, what artists do not have, is an abundance of time. Because the medium itself eats up your time. And then if you have a personal life, if you're lucky, 
There's not much time left after that. But these people did. Of course, I'll have one up on there, too. And you, you've probably seen it on my social media in the stages I'm working on it. So, my goal is to hand her a check for more than she lost. I think what I'm trying to learn in life is when things seem like they're awful, it doesn't mean that's the case. They could actually be incredible. Because, I mean, losing this money is extremely painful. You can't replace that. But if losing $8,000 and receiving $8,500 is what it takes, I'm out to prove something to myself, to this world, to everyone involved, to everyone watching that we have the power to create goodness. And at a time where everyone's so wrapped up in their own lives, and I, I'm not saying that as a derogatory thing, uh, this is a really difficult time to live through. And I think a lot of it has to do with how much time our phones take from us and how much time our jobs take from us now, which is more than ever. And I'm not just talking about comics, I'm talking about everybody. It's just a hard time. It's just a really hard time. And what people, what, what's happening is our community is dissolving. People don't help people. And it's not out of a callousness. In some situations, yeah. But it's just out of a, people are just struggling to get through their days. But if we all took a little bit, put a little effort into this, what a wonderful change we can make. And that's my goal here. So amidst all of the struggles and problems I have going on, I am pushing forward to create happiness for somebody who really deserves it. And I hope we can all take from this. It's worth it. Please get involved. We have the eBay auction. If you are like original art, I know that's asking a lot. These are pieces are probably going to go for a good bit of coin. They're Batman. They're all Batman. They're all drawn by brilliant artists. But we also have a GoFundMe page. So if you can just give a buck, I mean, give what you can. Just even if all you can do is help spread the word through social media, then please do that. The more we can make people aware of this, the better. And maybe we can all see something good happen. And maybe we'll all feel some joy from knowing that there's goodness in this world, especially now. With all that's going on personally, professionally, culturally, politically, all of it. So at the end of this podcast with John, I talk about that. Um, please check my social media for all the links. Please get involved in any way you can. 
I, I do want to thank all all of you Patreon supporters. Uh, I am grateful for. I, I mean, I launched it with the hopes it would help me financially, and it helps in a small way. But uh, I am committed to trying to make it help more and grow that as well. So if you can get involved there, I'd appreciate that. Um, I think that's all I got. Uh, enjoy this episode. And uh, we'll be back next month with the uh, normalcy of the Abnormal Podcast Ink Pulp Audio. Thank you. Right, man so i don't know who's introducing who first um why don't you it's your show you introduce okay okay and oh yeah no and that's fine you know sh- shame on me man because i wasn't sure if you wanted to use this as an ink pulp audio Sean, um, Sean I, yes, I mean i definitely would like to but i feel like i'm on your show since we're okay. doing it through skype but i would definitely <laughs> air it as uh ink pulp audio john suntrace with sean crystal Ooh, interesting <laughs> well welcome to word balloon sean crystal Thank you for having me. Absolutely, man. No, it's a long time coming. We did a panel, as you well know, back in uh, 2015, one of Tony Moore's Cincinnati Comic Cons, and uh, we were on with uh, Wendy Friedman and uh, Freeman, excuse me. And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's good to do a one on one and talk shop. Yeah, see things. Yeah, how things are going, man. How many years have you been doing Ink Pulp? Um, that's a good question. I'm on episode. 81 or 82 i'm doing 12 a year but one year i did 24 so i guess this is year six is that right so 2012 ish 2011 maybe yeah i think that actually i can i can tell you while we're talking okay but yeah Um, i I mean i know i know you started a couple years later than me and yeah i noticed that i was looking at your um your episode list, and I did notice that you break things down in seasons, and you do it, you know. Oh, actually, I am way off. 2012. Okay. That's fine. Wow. All right. Yeah, we figured 11 or 12, but very good. Excellent, man. And yeah, you like you said, you've done like seven seasons? Yeah, wow. Awesome, man. Congrats. I mean, seriously, you. you know, you get great people, and I know uh, you're talking to other artists and discussing process, and I, you know, when when you do the show, I mean, I, I you know, the, we, we, never, uh, we never close the lights here, as they say in Chicago. Not turn off the lights, <laughs> close the lights. Uh, so, yeah, you know, 24-7 here at Word Balloon. Not that much, but I, I'll, I'll be honest. <laughs> I'll be honest, the last couple of months, because I've had more time, uh, I've certainly done more than four a month. I've been doing sometimes eight a month, sometimes ten. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah. This is like the seventh one I think I've done for October. Wow. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, with podcasting, I, I think, you, like, when I started it, it, it was you had to do at least four a month, and I, I just, I can never, I can't do it. I, I, tried, I tried twice a month. For a year, and I was like, I cannot keep up with that. It's time so. consuming. I get it. No, it is. And, yeah, and yeah. well, you know, and and some great shows. I mean, I, I'm interested to hear what other podcasts. They don't have to be comic book ones that you listen to, but I know some of my favorite shows go away for a few months. My favorite Hollywood, old Hollywood podcast. You must remember this. She breaks yeah, things, yeah. Trina Longworth. She breaks things down into seasons, uh, and then you got Joe Rogan who does it sometimes four times a week. Yeah, well, yeah, and he goes long too. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, the marathon <laughs> conversations, absolutely. They're intense, though. They're great. I mean, I, I'll confess I don't listen to every episode, but when he's got somebody that I want to hear, it's great because it's a nice, intense, long conversation. Intense. Yeah, yeah. I tried with Rogan for a little while. I, I, I couldn't do it. I couldn't <laughs> do it for too long. Well, I just listen to the comedian ones. Yeah, when he has when he has movie people on or pop culture people that I I give it to him about. He has great people. He definitely has great. I should give it another try. There was a few people that were kind of regulars on the show that just drove me insane, and I couldn't do it. Okay, well, and I and I'll admit that I I don't, and it shouldn't matter. But you know, some sometimes his politics I don't agree with them, or just hey man, I'm a boxing guy. He's an MMA guy, right? And and there's every now and then I'm a little interested in what's going on in MMA, but not enough to really do it regularly and and obviously you know his background being mma you know that's kind of right. i think the backbone of what what he likes to talk about but he impresses me he's innately curious he yes. covers a lot of different subjects yeah and, yeah and and i love that and i mean that's the thing he's very comfortable talking about you know at least 20 different things and and does it quite well yeah he really does i mean and look he's found his podcast is so huge. I mean, oh, he's yeah. doing something right. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, um, yeah, I don't. Um, well, you know, beyond that, what's going on uh, art wise? What are you What are you currently working on, man? Uh, I just was inking a panel. I'm doing. Um, uh, I don't know if this is even announced yet, but I don't think it's a big deal. The, I'm doing a uh, like the, Marvel's doing an, uh, a holiday special, uh, X Men holiday special. Funny. So, uh, and I believe they're all like one page stories. Interesting. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just like a peek in, like, what do the X-Men do on the holidays? <laughs> and so I'm working on that right now and, uh, gearing up for this juggernaut release on Wednesday. Oh, cool. Wow. Uh, so you're, are you on this juggernaut uh, series? Is that what's going on or? It was, uh, it was a one shot part of that X-Men black um, series they were doing. I think there, there was five of them, and they, it's each each villain got one issue, and I assume they'll collect it all into one X Men Black book. But through the month of October, every week there's an issue coming out, with one week having two issues, mm-hmm. and they're all number ones, and they're all like, "There's Magneto, I got Juggernaut, there's Mojo, there's Emma Frost, and I believe Mystique is the last of them." Okay, and who wrote who wrote your issue? Uh, Robbie Thompson wrote my issue. Cool. So every every book's a different creative team. Um, it was the first time I worked with Robbie. He's a lot of fun to work with. Excellent. And are you do, just doing inks, or are you doing pencils too? No, no, I pencil and ink everything I do. Oh, excuse me. Okay, yeah, I thought so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we got Rico Renzi to color it. It, it came oh, out really nice. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. That's awesome, man. Cool. And is this the first time you worked with Robbie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was good. I liked working with him. Do you like drawing the juggernaut? Yeah, I mean, I, this was a this was a childhood dream. I mean, what artist doesn't, but this was a childhood dream. Like to get to like I remember the first time I, I saw the juggernaut in a comic. It was Excalibur. Um Alan Davis was drawing. I assume it was Claremont writing and uh, Juggernaut came in and just 
took out Captain Britain real quick, and I was sold. <laughs> <laughs> I was sold. And uh, then he was on that X-Men cartoon, that, that pilot they did. They never did a full season of it, but they had that one episode in the late 80s, I think it was. And he was on there, and I, and I was just in. I mean, the X-Men were my favorite, and he was definitely my favorite villain. And I just love drawing him always. And I also got to draw in this issue. They asked me when we were getting started, they knew the first half of the issue would be the Juggernaut fighting the X-Men. So they asked me what era of X-Men I would like to draw. And another dream of mine has always been to draw the original X-Men in their original costumes. And so I got to do that for this book. So getting to draw those X-Men fighting the Juggernaut, uh, it, it was unreal. That's was, awesome. Yeah, my, the kid in me was real happy. <laughs> you know, they're, uh, the original, is it? it's five, right? Yeah, five. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, the original five are my favorite X-Men. And I, I have to confess that when they you know started to expand... You know, I'm like, oh, that's nice. I don't know if I, I give a damn, but all right, whatever. And then when it got ridiculous in the 90s, <laughs> I'm like, too many X-Men. And it was so funny when, you know, Wanda declares no more mutants. And it's like, yeah, no more mutants, just 198 of them. I'm like, too many X-Men. <laughs> and I know I'm in the minority, and it's okay. I don't mind. I mean, obviously, you know. No, I mean, my introduction to the X-Men was the late 80s, so they were already a sizable team. Yes. Um so it was later that I discovered, I mean, through that, discovering the originals. It was really the costumes that I fell in love with. Um, the black and gold. Like team. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, and I liked it, too. I liked them, yeah. too. And when, I, you know, reading the X-Men, they, they were just like, they didn't have like a cohesive look when I first started reading them. Yeah. So seeing them in that, you know what it was? I'm remembering now. It was Simonson was doing X-Factor. Which was a nod to the original team. Yes, absolutely. At the time, and I, I liked that much, a yeah. lot more. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. Yeah, that was great, and and it was Walt and Weezy, I think, uh, doing. Yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. So yeah, the full Simon, team Simonson, if you will. Yeah. So that. Yeah, I remember. Like, I loved that. So every time I get to see a glimpse of the original X Men in the normal X Men comic, I would get excited. Agreed. And I'll be honest, that's why I liked uh, Bendis' story so right. much that the original five, you know, travel to the future and everything. Right. Yeah. What's, what's wrong with this picture? What the hell happened? You know, right. and, I, and I and I really and there were just great moments in all of that that I, I enjoyed a lot with the original five. So, no, I get it. And I felt the same way when X Factor came out. I'm like, oh, that's good. They put the original five back together. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. So I that, get that. Yeah. So getting to draw that, I mean, A, being asked, what do I want to draw? Uh, which never happens usually the script is done and they're waiting on the art before they hire the artist um so that was really nice that was a really rare gem do you occasionally do monthlies because i usually see you come in on a special or an annual or or, or a, you know this kind of project no it's i, I can't i'm not that fast and i don't want to give up inking myself okay why um, is I that just, let's talk for, about that for a second yeah, my my inks are kind of my signature. Um, it, it's me. Like I feel like it's me on the page when the inks are done because mm -hmm. I don't feel like my inks look like anything but me. And as I'm penciling, I'm penciling in mind with how I would ink it. Uh, I had a, a couple inkers once or twice in my career just due to scheduling necessities. 
and they were great inkers. Uh, it just wasn't me. And to my own financial detriment, I stick to my guns on that one. <laughs> I mean, if I were to pencil a monthly book, I'd be doing much better. But I, I don't know. I, I just, I, A, I enjoy inking. And I don't know. I, I, I Yeah, I just wanted, I wanted to look like I wanted to look. I hear you, man. Well, and um, have you inked others, others' pencils? No, I, you know it's something I'm, I'm interested in playing with. I was very careful early on because that would come up, because a lot of artists really liked my inks when I was first coming in, sure. and we would talk, and and I don't remember if I spoke to someone. Um. I don't. Rem- I don't think so. I think I just thought to myself, if I start inking people, that's what I'll start being hired for more and more. And, and this was before. Well, this was at the dawn of the digital process, so inkers were were needed more. And I didn't want to just ink. Like I would like to ink a few artists I like and a few friends just for fun to play with. Like Carrie Nord and I are talking about because we're both in Essential Sequential, him penciling a print and me inking it, like just for fun. And that, that I would like to do. Uh, I think I would learn a lot as an artist from that, and, and I think I'd enjoy it. But inking page after page of someone, I, I don't know. That doesn't sound great. I hear you, man. Okay. What is the you know, Essential uh, Sequential? Essential Sequential is uh, – it, it, it's an – art group represented by Jason Schachter. He's basically our art dealer. Okay. And at conventions, you'll see us all set up. It's purple banners, essential sequential. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, talk about, I mean, I know the guys, and and yeah, so Kennedy's in there. Yeah, Kennedy, Mateo, Valera, Dave Dave Johnson, Cully Hamner. Yes, indeed. Sale, Klaus Jansen. Yes. Ben Gall is in there. Uh, It's gotten so big, I'm no, but you're yeah. I, uh, I I I was in your row obviously at New York and, and yeah, you know yeah. making the rounds with all of those guys. I didn't see Cully. Cully's might be listening and going. You didn't talk to me. And I'm yeah, like, oh, I, was I there. meant to. No, I meant to. He just hadn't didn't happen to be there. My moment. You know, I at New York. I was only there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and I pretty much would get there in the afternoon. I was staying far enough away that I would just have yeah. my time coming in and also kind of dreading the usual yeah. New York yeah. chaos. So I'm <laughs> it, like, you know, if I come so after noon. It's so chaotic. Yeah. yeah. So chaotic. But it's I have to say, so in, in fairness, it was a much easier year, traffic yeah. and congestion-wise. I agree. I totally agree. So that was a pleasant surprise, but I still, you know, didn't want to take any, any chances. And um, no, I, I saw Dave. And I, uh, you know, spoke to spoke to Dave. Happened to see uh, Kirkman at the same time as Dave, so that was a nice little. All right, I've seen both of you. Very good. Oh, was he walking around? <laughs> yeah, I saw Robert was walking, walking around. around. Yeah. And um, I finally approached Klaus and got his info, and he will do word balloon. And I'm oh yeah, very excited. Have you had Klaus on yours? Yeah, yeah. That one um, just came out on my Patreon. On October first, so on November first, he'll be out for the, uh, the public. My that will be out. It's one of my favorite episodes I've recorded for a lot of reasons. One being, I can trace. I, I didn't grow up with comics. I, I fell in love with comics when I was uh, 
14, I think it was. Okay. And um, I like drawing, and I really enjoyed drawing uh, superhero stuff because of the cartoons I grew up with. And I always wanted to draw Spider-Man because that was the cartoon from my childhood. And I just thought I wanted to go into animation. I just had never known anyone who read comics or hadn't been exposed to them. And some kid in one of my classes... Would, he saw me drawing a few times and he brought in the Dark Knight Returns and he handed it to me and said, read this. Wow. Good job. And that was it. That was it. <laughs> I was done. Uh, and, and so, you know, from there, I went to the comic store and I just, you know, Frank Miller, Klaus Jansen, I just looked for that. So then I found a collection of Born Again. And then that just yeah. took me out again. So getting to interview Klaus was like, Getting back to the reason I like, I, I think I even started it saying, you know, you're the I have you to blame for me being here. <laughs> and, and then <laughs> and, I, you know, my love for inking comes from that as well. And so we had a really nice long discussion about inking. And, you know, Klaus is he's much more than a superstar he's much more than simply a, a, a legend in in the medium i mean he's he's a master of the medium in, in all aspects of it but he doesn't act like it he just acts like like i remember early on when i joined essential sequential he would just come up and say hi and chat and i'm like but that's klaus jansen like <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> like, I don't deserve that. That's a luxury. <laughs> so um, having you know all that in my mind, but he is a friend now. So all all of that just made for a great interview, and and a big part of it was talking about inking and the craft of inking. And he was he was coming from the um, the side where he thinks the uh, art of inking is is a dying art. And while I understand that. Uh, I'm pretty sure the conversation, my take is, uh, I don't think it's dying. I think it's becoming better. What you're doing is you're weeding out the mid ground. Like when photography came out, people said painting would die, but painting didn't die. It just became something completely unto itself. And the great painters became better painters and the mediocre painters started taking pictures. I'm with you. So I, I feel like with inking, like you've got some of the best inkers ever producing comics right now. Um, but you don't have like it used to be inking was just a necessity. So out of necessity, you had a lot of people trained to be inkers who were mediocre artists at best and, you know, mediocre inkers at best. And I think we've we, that, that with the digital workflow now. You weed some of that out, but when I see like even someone like Jonathan Glapion, he he's amazing. Yes, what he is. he's doing with his his brushes and his quills and his line and his texture, like it just blows my mind. And it's a smaller community, so we all kind of like we talk. And one of the things I'm trying to do with my podcast is start to get an oral. I don't want to say history, but just capture Inker's ideas on inking as much as I can. And uh, Klaus was a big get for that. Understood. Yeah, man. So do you um, – I, I didn't realize that. Are you really focusing primarily on inkers? Uh, no, but when I, I want to have a handful of episodes that, you know, 
10, 20 years from now when people are coming up wanting to learn inking, they can go listen to those those episodes. Understood. Um, so I am trying to – I'm not – I'm not specifically seeking that out only, but I, I am – when I interview someone and we can talk about inking, I am very excited about that. No, I get it. And also I am – I've heard those same things and I know I was concerned uh, in the earlier 2000s that maybe inking was on its way out as Klaus maybe thought. And right. um, so I, I get that concern and talking to some inkers, you know, do you find as an – I mean – um, is there more work for you if you wanted it, if you were fast enough as far as inking goes? Well, again, you're doing both. You're penciling and inking. Yeah, I'm penciling and inking. Um, so, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard. I, I don't, it's hard for me to say. I don't think there's as many inking jobs, like just inking. I mean, yeah. I think most people, because they're working digitally, most more current artists are simply... I mean, I, I don't even want to call it inking, but yes, they're they're producing their own black line work. Sure, and Glapian is an exception, obviously. Yeah, because yeah. he he does work with other pencilers and stuff. And no, yeah. I agree with you, man. I I met him in one of my first years of podcasting, two thousand five, two thousand six. Oh, really? Yeah, and he's only gotten better. Yeah, you know, he can draw really well too. Beautiful artist, beautiful. Yeah, artist. No. He really is incredible. Well, and like you said, though, I mean, and you know, um. I mean, another guy like that uh, is Bill Reinhold, who I yes. think is known primarily as only an anchor. Yeah. You know, he could produce his own stuff. For sure. And, and I love Bill. Bill's, Bill's a local Chicago guy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, and, no. you know, also I think when I look back at the artists who really inspired me early on, um, they were inking themselves. Like Walter Simonson. Like, mm -hmm. you take away his inks and – it's not him anymore and I think that's why I stick to me inking myself I hear you no I that that makes yeah, sense I could, I could trace that back to Walt exclusively that makes sense what yeah. um do you speaking of digital and stuff are you working on tablets are you still working on paper and then scanning how are you doing it um, I prefer and I mainly work completely traditionally and scan it, but in order to stay current with technology and applications and stuff, I, I do every now and then hop on, I have a Cintiq, mm -hmm. uh, and, and I've done everything. I mean, I, when I, I, when I was doing the Phantom X Max mini series at Marvel, I did, uh, the first issue I started thumbnailing on the uh, Cintiq, and then I started penciling and printing out blue lines. And then, I don't know, I want to say like two or three issues in, I just went full digital to, to see what I could get from it. And at the time, my inks were very, very controlled, very clean, very sharp. So there was very little difference uh, and when you see the book between the traditional inks and the digital inks, and that made me think more about what I'm doing with ink, like actual ink. And after that, you see a shift in my work where I got much more textural and I embraced the dry brush and I got rough paper and thick ink and really tried to produce something very hand done looking. Whereas before I was trying to make something perfect. Interesting. So, like, uh, for example, the job I'm doing now, it's that one-pager. Mm -hmm, the Christmas thing. Yeah, so it's it's nine panels, 
It's like 34 word balloons. It's like three settings. It's just an insane amount of stuff on one page. Hmm. And so I decided what I would do is I'd thumbnail it, pencil it digitally, print out the blue lines, and then I went back and I'm just inking it with like microns because there's so much stuff on it. There's no room to kind of cut loose with the inks. So I'm treating it more like a um, just a really clean, almost Saturday morning cartoon look. To Interesting. The, yeah. So I'm also liking that idea now where I'm trying to approach different jobs with what do I feel like I want to do on this? What is this job asking from me as an artist instead of always doing the same thing? That's great. That's wonderful, yeah. man. Well, and you're that kind of artist. I get that. I have. I've always been. I've been scared to do that because I felt like um, the editors would feel like I have an identity crisis, which I think is <laughs> well, yeah. Because I understand. You know, yeah, man, you, they don't know what they're getting. Like I sure. would worry about that. No one ever said that to me. It was all in my head. <laughs> and then I was like, "What am I doing?" Like I got into this field because I love this and I love drawing. And all my artist friends who have known me for. 10, 15 years now know that I'm always playing with doing different things. So now I'm trying to incorporate that into the work. Well, and I think you kind of vocalize your own, uh, if not struggle, but just, you know, your, your decisions and what you're thinking about with your art on your podcast. Yeah, very much. and, And I love that. And I also love that a lot of times it is, it's kind of like, a therapy session between you and your guest where you yeah. really are both of you, you know, both you and who you're talking to, you kind of, you know, work out styles and, and fears and, and things that you are thinking about in terms of how you're presenting yourself with your art, which I think is great. It makes your show that much more unique. Thank you. I mean, yeah, man. Well, that's that's the thing, man. I honestly, I love talking to other podcasters and what are you doing? How are you doing it? And a lot of it just comes through from the final product. But you know, beyond and I, I, man, I always feel like I'm shitting on these other uh, comic book podcasts that are just all right. We all got together. This is what I read. This is what I think. There's nothing wrong with that. That's fantastic. Right. Right. But I kind of like, you know, as you know, I am a layman talking to people like yourself. Yeah, uh, their creators and just asking the the general questions and love the bits of process that I get just from, you know, the confessional that the interview becomes versus really knowing what right questions to ask and everything. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm coming, you know, in my head, I'm I'm doing what I've loved about my favorite magazines, not only things like Amazing Heroes and the Comics Journal, right. as, as far as how they've approached it, but even Rolling Stone and Musician. Right, right. Well, your you passion know. comes through. I mean, it's in, it's there's an excitement in you, and you also, I mean, you have a very thorough knowledge base, but it's I, I feel like with you, there's so much passion coming through what, your podcast, and just when you speak, that that makes what you do interesting and exciting and different. Oh, I appreciate that, man. Well, it's just what entertains me, and and I want to talk about what you know. Hey, I, what you did is great. I mean, it's really a more elaborate Chris Farley show. I'll, I'll confess, <laughs> it really, it's like, oh, what you do, that's awesome. And, and but you know, obviously. <laughs> I'm like, hopefully the years of doing radio and stuff, I get to ask in a little better way. But yeah, that's essentially what it is. It's just, no, I'm fascinated by creativity and, um, you know, yeah, what inspires everybody to do what they do. So, yeah, I mean, that's how I approach it. But yeah, like I said, I like I like that all of us that do interviews 
you can't help it. You are who you are. Yeah, so, yeah. So, so it's going to come through in the way that you're asking questions and everything. Yeah, and, totally. and yeah. So that's why a lot of times, I uh, sometimes I'm like, oh, all these other shows have. Greg Rucka on right now. And I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't talk to Greg Rucka right now. You know, I'm going to wait a, week, a couple weeks and stuff. Brubaker used to always, like, kind of drop out of the air and be like, okay, I'm here. Who wants to talk to me? <laughs> and usually about the same five shows we talk to him all at the same week or whatever. Yeah. You know, and then but, he'd disappear again. But that's what I think, that's what makes a great podcast a great podcast. It's not who you're interviewing. It's it's the person doing the interview as much as, as the person you're interviewing I, I think that comes from i mean howard stern is just great at that absolutely yes yes well storytelling man and i mean that's yeah. and it's the conversation that is the star of the show and that's you know you try to get out of the way of of the person that you're talking to let them make their points but yeah you don't want to you don't want to disappear either so no. it's interesting though because like Marin, i was listening to mark Marin today and he and he released a john cleese conversation oh wow and i liked it but also, I know, having heard a million other John Cleese interviews, both live performances and radio interviews and TV interviews, that Marin was kind of like missing stories because he couldn't help but get to the next thing. Right. And it's like, you know, dude, like, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I worked in radio. And it's like, yeah, really? Then what happened? And it's like, holy yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, with Marin, like, I mean, obviously, Marin, if you've heard my podcast, is probably the biggest influence on me I know doing that. it. Um but I, I stopped listening to it years ago. Um, like early on when he was interviewing comedians only and there were people he knew, I found those conversations to be some of the most fascinating. Like I don't even want to call them interviews. Just there were conversations and they were the most fascinating things I'd heard. And it made me want to do podcasting. And when he became really big and successful and was interviewing people he didn't know – I lost a lot of interest for it because the um, um, the I guess it was just the familiarity of, of knowing the person he was talking to bought something there. He's a great interviewer. I'm not saying what he's doing is is bad. It just it had changed, and I was no longer interested in it. I feel the same way, man. And I and I'll even go a step further. It's not he doesn't even necessarily for me need to be so familiar with his guest that they could just you know get into the inside baseball of their own friendship and their shared experiences. But that um, you know he there are times when you know yeah he has no idea who he's talking to and didn't decide to do that much research and it's just going to kind of. You know, get by on what he can do, and again, no disrespect. He right, right. An no, effective, this great. Yeah, if this is this is kind of getting to something I'm going through. Is does a podcast have a shelf life? Does the identity um, of the podcast change? I mean, for me, like as you you know, because you've listened, I, I spent a lot of time working through a lot of mental shit. Yeah, and and I feel like. You know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, oh, I've been complaining for a long time and things haven't gotten much better. So maybe I need to try this other approach of, of being positive and thinking positively. But I've attracted a large audience of people who are like minded and working through it. So then I went through a period where I was like, what am I doing? Like, I, I don't want to always be negative And. I also don't want to lose my audience. And, and so what I'm trying to do now is 
is if they're attracted to the podcast because of the struggles. Well, we all have that. I don't want to lose that, but I don't want to be stuck in them. So I want to try to offer um, some light in those dark areas and try to work past them and try to change things for the better. I need to do it for myself personally. So I'm using the vehicle of the podcast to continue to do that. But it does make me feel like, you know, is I, I don't think it's going to change too much, but I did worry about it for a period of time. But it, getting to like Marin's WTF, is it is it still WTF? Like I haven't listened to it in a while, but I felt like it wasn't, and that's why I stopped. I think it is, but he, you know he's gone through his own personal changes, as you know. Right. I mean, he he really was kind of. I mean, he he confessed that I think losing that Air America job. He was kind of like, "Where's my career going?" He's, you know, but I think we all go through that. And yeah, I think- I'm there right now. I mean, I'm. Uh, it's been the hardest year professionally of my life ever, and I didn't want to spend the year whining on my podcast about it. I wanted to change it because I mean, I, I looked at it like I've been complaining about the same stuff since day one, and I and I'm always trying to make it better, but it's not getting better. So I had to look at doing something different. Well, you know, honestly, just being a little bit older and everything, actually a lot older, uh, <laughs> I think, honestly, man, I, I think this is what we all go through. And, you know, you, I, I, I say it's not wisdom, it's perspective. Because believe me, man, I, I had my own, you know, crisis of career uh, really in last year, 2017, because I was cut loose at the end of 2016 from my regular full-time radio job. And it's like, all right, what do I want to do? And, man, I'll tell you, I talk to as many old comic vets that I really respect and are friends with and everything, guys that are older than me, that have kind of done the same thing in terms of, okay, you used to do all these different freelance comic things, and now you're doing something different. You know, what do you, what do you think? I mean, because they're like 10 years older than me and stuff. And great guy. Mike Gold is a guy like that, the old DC editor and uh-huh. first comics guy and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's an old radio guy, too. So I kind of, you know, really sat down with him one dinner, and I'm like, you know, what do you think? I mean, I'm, I'm doing this stuff. So I got some good advice from him. I also got some good advice from other radio people. And, yeah, it's just perspective. And also... Um, yeah, I think cathartically, I, I bet even while you thought you were complaining, again, you kind of, it's, it, you obviously were listening to yourself and listening to these podcasts and saying, all right, maybe, you know, maybe it's time to turn left instead of turn right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So yeah, man, no, it's good. This is all good. I think, uh, <laughs> honestly, man, no, I, I want to reassure you. I think you're, you're on you. the right path. And I honestly, I do. I think we all go through this here. Now, this has been a, something I've mentioned on a lot of uh, podcast since uh, they came out um, at the beginning of the summer. Did you watch the Zen Diaries of Gary Shandling? Uh, yeah, the HBO thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did it? Did you find? Wow, it's great to see another creative person kind of have those same kind of struggles. Of you know, I just love that one point in the first part when his goal was the Tonight Show. Yeah, and, and then he did it for you know long periods of time, and it's like oh. I don't want that job. That's not right. who I want to be. Right. And yeah, it's like, that, well, you know, if I don't want to be that, then who am I? You know, that watching that, it, it was hard for me. I enjoyed it thoroughly. I mean, it was fascinating. And, and I watching it, I was like, oh, my God, I'm learning about myself. Like, it was sure. it really was a little startling. Um, and it made me want I want to read some some of those auto those biographies on him as well. But, yeah, I found it fascinating. Well, and like I said, I, for me, it was reassuring. 
that, you know, because we do, we all think, God, I must be like the biggest freak in the world for having these self-doubts and everything. Yeah. And yeah. then there's a guy that's so, you know, successful and... God, you know, the different directions he went into. I mean, the Showtime show. I mean, that's the thing. I literally watched, you know, 90% of his career. I mean, once he started hearing, you know, make me laugh back in the 80s or the 70s even, you know, till the end. I'm like, oh, man, I remember that Showtime show in the 80s when it was brand new. Loved Larry Sanders. Loved. Oh, Larry Larry Sanders is great. You know, yeah, it's literally one of my all-time favorite. It's one of the best TV shows ever done, for sure. Yeah. I love Larry Sanders. Yeah, man, there you go. And that's the thing. So so it really, I mean, truly, like, people like Bendis and some of the other creative people that I know well, it's like, that show's still haunting me. And I get it, because, yeah, there is kind of an uncomfortable familiarity as well. But I truly mostly got, like, energized in terms of, Okay, I'm not alone. Other people feel this way. Yeah. And step yeah. back and it's like, all right, so what do you want to do? As and again, it's all right, let's start looking. Are we turning left when we should be? Are we not? You know, let's let's reassess each step right. and everything. Right. Yeah. And that's that's what this year's been. You know? That's great. That's great. I I mean through the podcast and I from what I do, yeah, I, I see that everyone's going through it. What I what was hard for the Gary Shandling documentary for me a little bit was it never went away for him, and that was a little scary. I was like, I don't want to be like successful and still feel awful. <laughs> like, I, I hear you. Yeah, I don't want to be that. Um, and that's what made kind of initiated me into doing different stuff. I need to change the way I think, um, and maybe success will come through po- better, being more positive and thinking more positive. Because um, I don't, I don't want to just be miserable. <laughs> like, I hear you, man. Well, have there have there been? Because I know that um, you did a great podcast with Robbie Rodriguez, and it got uh, really personal. Uh, the most edit. recent one you're talking about? Well, I, uh, maybe I, I just remember hearing both the one, and it, no, it might have been it might have been a while. I don't know, but I know there was one, and that you you even came on afterwards, and you kind of did a postscript. Uh, oh, so that was, was that the, the first one. Yeah, he we did one. This summer, okay. uh, apparently he had survived a suicide attempt, and he wanted. Oh, I didn't know. Oh that. man, I'm sorry to hear that, and I'm glad he's he survived it. So that's good. God, yeah. Well, the whole story yeah. is on my podcast. Um, uh, I think that episode came out in June. It wasn't that long ago. We recorded it in June. It came out in August. It was okay. really recent. Yeah. Well, tell me about yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's a that's a tough thing to obviously go through. I was wondering if, as you're trying to, you know, be inspired and 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 get bright things, have there been conversations you can point to and say, you know, that really changed my perspective talking to creators. Uh, I'm just starting this. It's okay. really been um, like I had banked a bunch of episodes. Um, I think there was there was definitely a shift. Um, around June of last year, I felt like I was stumbling around with the podcast. Uh, subconsciously, I, I didn't want to complain anymore. I hadn't uh, acknowledged that. I hadn't seen that in myself. And I was getting kind of lost. So about a year ago, I felt more invigorated. I, I felt a new uh, a purpose in the podcast that I hadn't felt before. Um, I was just trying to get back to more being more engaged in the interviews. But and I recorded a bunch, um, and then I'd say about 
you know, you can start to hear the shift in me. I think with with um, I mean, I'm just I think I'm happier in in the Mitch Garads, Dampen oh, with Klaus Jansen, and in those interviews that are more recent, but. Then as I've been I've been working through self-help books and trying things. So as I've been doing that, I'm like, all right, now, um, you know, I, I want to, you know, Scotty Young had reached out to me. We were just chatting and he was like, let's get back on the podcast. And I was like, yeah, let's. Because he's always someone I think about when I'm like, he's just, he's so positive and, yes. and so happy and when i look at him and and his success it's like and not to take anything away from his art uh, his art is amazing but he just attracts people to him and his art has that in it as well yep and um so then i was like i need to use this podcast now to to be to to understand that better and think like that more so so it's what i'm looking forward to getting into in my next series of interviews that's excellent, man. And Scotty is a great guy. And trust me, as someone that's older than Scotty, I get a lot of inspiration from Scotty because he is positive in what he does. He is he's confident. He's confident to say no to yeah. to work that he doesn't want to do, and that's something that he's always managed to do uh, correctly since his early days. Yeah, that's and, true. And, yeah, man. No, I and and again, you know. Ma- manages to maximize his art and and get true joy out of it, and I, yes. no, I, I agree with you, man. And I love talking just as we are about podcast shop. Um, how he is not so, you know. I mean, he he comes on a lot of podcasts, and and he right. and, and he and Casey did a podcast for a little while and stuff, right, right. But yeah, no, he's a he's a great guy to talk to, and I love his perspective because he is so voracious in his. Uh, listening to other podcasts and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. no, I, I love talking to him. And, in fact, we're due because we talked right before Fairyland wrapped up. And he told uh, me what was coming up and everything, both the things he could announce and the things he couldn't announce right. publicly. And he's just like, oh, yeah, we'll talk again in the fall. I'm like, that sounds great. And, and no, I do. I love I love talking to Scotty. And, also, I'm always like, yeah, Scotty, hit me. How am I doing? What do you know? What do you, right. what do you like about what I'm doing? What don't you like about what I'm doing? And he's honest. He's totally honest and stuff. No, it's been a it's been a wonderful friendship, and I I appreciate his point of view. I think he's a really smart guy. Yeah, he, he definitely is. Yeah, and um, you know, it's it's gotten into my art too, where I'm now I'm just trying to not trying to I'm getting back to enjoying it and and getting that that confidence back. Um, I, you know, I'd spent as in the podcast, I just had spent so much time doubting myself and it was somewhat recently where I stepped back. I was like, wait a minute, I know what I'm doing. I'm good at what I do. Like, why, why do I feel like this? So I'm trying to clear that out of my head too. Okay. Good to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> Seriously, man. No, that's good. You're a talented guy, dude. Right. I loved, um, I forget who wrote it, but I remember there was that daredevil, um, it was, you know, an expanded comic, and I forget what was the umbrella title for those comics, but it wasn't in the regular monthly series. I don't know what you're it, talking Daredevil about. Black and White. That, I wasn't in that. No? No. You've never done Daredevil? I know. I would love to do Daredevil. Right, in fact, I then. emailed Marvel asking for Daredevil reasons. Maybe you did, a, at the same time, did you do a Deadpool Black and White? 
You could uh, do one of those black and white stories or books. No, I, w- I mean, it's, I'm a natural for it. You would think I've done I'm a ab- Sean, I'm embarrassed. All right, I apologize. because no, really, it's fine. Because <laughs> I could, no, I thought for sure when that stuff was coming out that you had one of those stories in one of those, you know, Aries or, or, or Daredevil. Like, you know, they just had a bunch of those black and white specials. Oh, yeah. the noir ones? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I didn't. I was doing Deadpool at the time. They did a Deadpool noir. Um, I did not draw that, though. Okay, and actually it was different than the noir series of books. It was a different one because they were, you know, other than I th- maybe they were a little more uh, R-rated than the regular monthlies. Uh-huh. They, weren't, they weren't like retro books like the noir books. Were. Right, right. And, there was, and I love those. You know what it is? Sean, Martinborough, Sean Martinborough did Cage Noir. I remember that. No, it's definitely not the noirs that I'm thinking of. I, oh. I'm thinking of, like I said, they were black and white specials. Yeah. And, and yeah. I remember I remember a Daredevil one. I remember an Ares one. I'm reasonably certain there was a Deadpool one. Yeah. Wasn't anyway, all right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. I, uh, well, you know, so can you, can you tease us in terms of, or do you want to keep it quiet in terms of the guests that are coming up in this new season? Um, I, I don't know. I have to record. I mean, I know, okay. um, I know I'm going to North Carolina Comic Con, uh, in a few weeks, and that's always an easy show to record at. Um, I don't know who I'll, get for sure there but i mean i know I, i'll do one with mateo he's coming in to stay with me before we go to the con great so i know we'll do another one um i know i'm gonna stay with tommy lee oh great uh, the, lee edwards wonderful yeah his family and my family have become very close and we my my wife's family's from baltimore so whenever we travel up to baltimore we stop at the edwards house for a night and then on the way up and then we do it again on the way back and it's a nice time. And Tommy and I go into the studio and record then. Um, so, you know, I can tell you who, who I'm trying. I was supposed to get in New York, but that show is so hard to record at. Totally. Is Tim Sale. He's really wanting to do oh, one. Oh, great. Hey, fantastic. So I'll definitely is get he one. another studio mate with you guys as well? He's an essential sequential, yeah. Yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, I don't have know. Done, have you done one with Dave yet, Johnson? No. Dave's one I want to get. You know, Dave is someone... Um, I, I've always been such a big fan of his. And when I first got into the group, I was kind of like, um, I don't know, timid. Like I, I didn't I'm talk to him. He's Dave, you know, he, he, he's Dave Johnson. Yeah, he's Dave Johnson. <laughs> but, you know, some of the other guys like Klaus, they're like, he's Klaus Jansen. Klaus was so warm up front. Um, I just stayed back from Dave. I figured I had to earn some respect there. Okay. But that was all me. It wasn't Dave. But we went to Italy together. We had a blast. And during that time, um, we talked about him doing one. So, yeah, I'll do one with Dave for sure. That's cool. That's cool. I've only done short, like, and actually like 20 minutes or whatever with Dave. So, because I've gotten to the point now, I don't like doing, certainly I don't like doing floor interviews. Yeah. Because that's just, as you know, and you're an in-depth guy, you want to get inside a guy's head. You know, you can't do that in five or ten minutes. Yeah. Also, it's an imposition, I think, on the creator when when they're selling stuff and also fans want to meet them. I'm always – it's two heads. On the one hand, I always say, like, going to a convention is like expensive summer camp (laughs) because because it's, hey, it's all my friends and we're all together. And isn't it great to see you? Jesus, it's been months. What's going on? And then you turn your head. 
ahead and realize, oh my God, I've been talking to this guy for five or ten minutes, and there's three people waiting to get their book signed or get to meet him. And it's like, oh Jesus, I'm so sorry. Please talk to the guy. And, no, no, we don't want to interrupt you. I'm like, no, but you know, right. you, you paid to like <laughs> meet yeah, these people yeah. and get get a sketch or get a book signed or, or whatever. And I'm like, no, man, I'm 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 you know I'm ruining your party. I'm sorry, man. So I, <laughs> so I so I get out of the way, and that's why I would never think anymore. I mean, it was okay in 2006 and early sure, on. Sure, yeah, cons but, are so different now. Yeah, and I mean, and also, again, no disrespect to those who do those floor interviews. There's just too many of like other podcasters and vloggers yeah, that, are, that are doing those things. And it's like, you guys go ahead. I, and, and truly what I do is, and what I did with Klaus, I'm like, this is who I am. I know you never heard of me. I'm sure you don't listen to podcasts, but, and again, I'm nobody, but I've managed to Dude, talk to you'd these be people. surprised. I mean, how I got Klaus was I found out he was listening to my podcast. That's wonderful. That's excellent. And I had no idea. Well, he wasn't listening to mine, and that's okay. I don't <laughs> mind. It's okay. But that's why, luckily, I could say, I'm like, hey, man, I've had a lot of people that you've worked with before, David Mack, Bendis, uh, Sienkiewicz. And I go, I know, oh, well, those are all good guys. I work with them all the time. I'm like, I know. And that's why I'd love to have you on. And yeah. he's card. And he's like, oh, yeah. You know, and I, I'm like, and I, cause he's like, well, well, I don't know if I'll have time this weekend. I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm like, like weeks from now, when we're all relaxed and I can get you on the phone or get you on Skype. Yeah. yeah. That's why. And I guess coming from radio, cause I can appreciate the intimacy that you likely want by doing it live and yes. doing it face to face. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess because of my, you know, couple decades in radio that I'm okay with a phone or, or a Skype interview and feel comfortable enough. And especially knowing that I don't have to break for traffic or a commercial spot or something like that. It's like, no, man, we're all relaxed. Right. You know, we'll get, we'll right. get our initial uh, unfamiliarity out of the way in the first couple minutes. And then it, you know, kind of settles into a nice conversation. And, and that's why I'm, I'm never... Yeah, I mean it, the barrier of it being audio only and only doing Skype and and phone, it doesn't bother me. I would love to, and it's funny, Julie Benson, you know, with all these lotteries that are you know hundreds of millions, if not billions, right. of dollars on the line. Like if you had that kind of money, I'm like, oh my god, I'd quit radio, I'd do word balloon full time, I'd travel a hell yeah. of a lot more, yeah, and I would do more face to face. You know, I'm I want to do a Portland trip oh my god i was just gonna that's so funny you say that i'm I'm surprised i've been been saying that for years but i'm actually gonna do it good for Um, you man emerald city and c2e2 are one week apart they're like bookend weekends so i'm gonna fly up to seattle then i'm gonna drive back to portland with jim mafood stay with him bank a bunch of episodes while i'm there then go to C2E2 from Portland, then come back to Atlanta. I'm not surprised. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's one thing. Like, I want to, if I had more finances at my disposal, I would like to take trips to areas just to record podcasts. Because, honestly, conventions are just getting harder and harder to record at because everyone's got so much going on. Totally. Um, totally. So the smaller shows like North Carolina are great to record, but like Emerald City, I, I gotta get episodes there, and I, I, it's 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 hard. But I'm getting them in. But going to Portland after that's going to let me record them easier, and I'd love to do that in LA. I'd love to, and I yep. can't, you know. There's areas you can hit. Like I'd like to go to Toronto and spend some yep. time with the raid guys, and I could work in the studio. I'm friends with so many of them. Um, 
you know, like Ramon Perez is in essential sequential, so I could easily get to Ramon. Carrie Nord is in essential. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that would be great and just record with raid guys. You'd get a bunch of them. So I that's something I'd like to do. It's a future goal. I mean, if if the podcast made good money, I could I could do that. I understand. Well, in my situation, I'm, you know, juggling uh, freelance jobs, part-time, part-time radio jobs and the podcast uh, just to keep going. You know? and yeah, it's, yeah, I get it. <laughs> no, I know. You, I, and I know you do. Um, I, yeah. But uh, but yeah, the same thing. I mean, believe me. And I've talked to a bunch of my Portland friends uh, and it's like, oh, I could easily do 20 episodes if everybody were available. And that's why I kind of want to pick a non-convention time to fly out and, and talk to everybody. And I was going to say, no, as you said, the smaller shows really are easier and a little yeah. more relaxed because that's when I really got to know Dave Johnson. Dave Johnson, Matt Wagner, um, I think they were the two big ones that I hadn't met at that time. But it was like 2008, 2009. And it wasn't Megacon, but it was another Orlando show. It was FXCon. Okay. Where they had they had comic book people. Um, but, but you know, they they were kind of a side thing and it was more the media people as the, a lot of current comic shows are uh they were the focus but yeah ended up you know me and gene Hahn. he's like hey i'm having breakfast with a bunch of the guys come with i'm like all right there's matt wagner there's dave johnson and we all get together we have a nice meal and it's relaxed and we're laughing and it's like oh man and yeah i mean ever since then no matt's always been a great go-to guy dave's been a great go-to guy so yeah, I get it, and and you're right, and it's those same cities. You know, I'd like to go down to Atlanta and talk to all the the guys down there. Yeah, and, and women, and women. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's funny, and of course, of course, we're thinking the same cities and the same circles. So yeah, man, that's that's great. Have you talked to many writers? I mean, I'm sure you've talked to artists that also write their own stuff. Um, I've yeah. talked to a few writers. I need to talk to more. It's not out of I, I, there's no reason that I haven't spoken to more writers. I, I think just artists I knew, I guess, I don't know. I, I, there were more people. I knew them. Like I, I, when I approach someone for a podcast, it's usually I'm friendly with them enough or they've reached out to me and express, expressed interest in being on or they let me know they were fans. Um, but like Donnie Cates I had on. That's and, right. I noticed that. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. So Donnie, I, I met Donnie when he was a student at SCAD. He was in Savannah. I was in Atlanta. Okay. And I had Axel Alonzo and Jason Aaron uh, as guests on my campus. And Donnie was the only one to come up from Savannah. Um, and I met him then. Um, but he also was a big fan of my podcast and had been reaching out to me wanting to come on. So uh, I got him on in New York last year, and then that came out um, summer or sp- late spring, early summer, I think. Yeah, I noticed that in your feed. Absolutely, man. I, and I tend to uh, to listen to that. See, you and I are mere opposites because I talk to more writers, and then yeah. suddenly realize, man, it's been a while since I've talked to an artist. So I and I keep trying. Like that has been m- one of my adjustments is like oh yeah reach out more to artists man and and don't forget how you know i I always feel because i guess 
I come from a writer's background where I've written magazine articles and I've written, you know, tons of script copy for radio uh, over the years, both uh, commercial and sketch and, and other things. Right, and I just feel right. more comfortable sometimes talking to writers. Um, but then I forget that, you know, again, storytellers. And uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I want to have more artists on. And it's funny, you mentioned John Glappian. And it's like, oh, my God, I got to get John back. You know, I, I, I saw him. I didn't see him in New York, but I did see him at, uh, I want to say, C2E2. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah, man. I said, God, come back. He's like, oh, yeah, anytime. You yeah, know, and that's the thing. I Again, if I, had, if I had more time and I had, you know, more resources and stuff, oh, I'd do it every day. I mean, and that's what, like I said, that's, you know, certainly what I said to Julie. I'm like, oh, my God, I'd do word balloon constantly. Yeah, you know, I really and, yeah. enjoy it. Like, I, I, yeah. I have no background in radio, no nothing. But I, I you know, I, I realized I, I would have, like, I had a lot of friends in the industry. And I become friendly with them because at some point we had had a nice one-on-one discussion somewhere. And it was a really good talk and we really connected. And that's when I was like, huh, I could just record that. Yep. That's what I wanted to do. That's what started it. You know, you had Brendan Fletcher on, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, I've had Brendan, yeah. And I remember hearing before I started podcasting, and I always point this out because they don't do it anymore, but he yep. was part of this podcast called HOR, the Horrorcast. Yeah. yeah. And it's always like, I was like, <laughs> I always want to explain and spell it out before I say, oh, he's on the Horrorcast. It's like, what the I hell's that? I recorded with Brendan the same weekend I recorded with Carl. Because that was their podcast. Yes. And I think it was on my episode with Carl where we really talked about that podcast. It was fantastic. And it was yeah. the same thing I like mean, describing. That could have been the first comic book podcast. I think, well, as far as, you know, I don't know what year. That's a good question because I know there were other guys that were coming on and literally just one one man kind of hey this is uh, neil gorman was a guy who did a, a, a podcast called comicsology well before uh the digital store was created <laughs> and he would and yeah he was like hey this is what i'm doing uh these are the comic books i read this week and he'd give reviews and that was the first one that i was aware of and then i was aware of the horrorcast i became aware of that right. and this was all you know, if not a year, uh, months before I started Word Balloon, I started Word Balloon in May of '05, and Comic Geek Speak was a group that got together, and they started in, I think, March of '05, maybe February, and certainly there was Fanboy Radio that was pre-podcasting, and they and they still exist. They uh, although it seems like he doesn't do as many comic book uh, interviews anymore, Scott Hines, but he was doing that out of the Texas Christian University. Huh college radio or public radio station and still does it um and he started like in 2000 or 2001 and it's funny because i always you know we always used to tease him on when he'd show up on a podcast panel and it's <laughs> when it's when it's convenient to be called a podcast you refer to yourself but you always he always liked to like put the line up and go yeah well i'm a real radio show and of course <laughs> we all know now that yeah. doesn't mean that much in today's uh, society no, being a real radio show much more popular than radio shows <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. yeah, but but I did. I lo- it was exactly that thing with the Horcast. It was just this great discussion amongst creatives that you know they have the sh- their shared interests and shared language. And I'm like, oh my! I tell Brendan all the time. I haven't really talked to Carl about it, but I tell Brendan all the time. I'm like, dude, you know, you're one of the reasons why I'm doing what I do. So I love that show. Love yeah. that show. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I still haven't had Brendan on. Unfortunately, I'm kicking myself. Shame on me. Oh, you but, should get him. Brendan's oh, totally. Great. He's great. Oh, 
Yeah, no, he's a great talker, and again, yeah, no, he knows what he's doing. He'd be fun. He'd, he'd be he'd be comfortable, I'm sure, doing word balloon and everything. But again, it's always time. Well, even you and I, Sean. I mean, that's the thing. I look up, and it's like. Oh yeah, last time we actually did this, this was you know three years ago or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when I, that's when I got Brendan. It was that weekend in Ohio. Oh, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, actually. it was Brendan and Carl, and I got Cameron Stewart that same weekend yes, too. Yes, Cameron, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's when I got them. That's right. Yeah. Yep, and that's why I, di- I didn't want to be like, all right, you know, like, hey, I I know Sean's talking to you. I, I don't know if you'd want to talk to me. <laughs> so I kind of did. I kind of laid back a little bit, and I knew Brendan a little bit more. So I'm like, hey, man, not to, you know, <laughs> be an echo of Sean, but I hope you'll come out. Oh, yeah, we'll do it sometime. I'm like, all right, fine. And I, I don't know if I had the guts to ask Cameron or not. That's hilarious. <laughs> so That's funny. Uh, it is what it is. Exactly, man. No, it's um, – well, and also it's a nice big – comic book world and there you know it's so funny because some people are like you know you never had claremont on and i'm like yeah that's right i haven't and it's like don't you want to and i'm like no not really (laughs) (laughs) just because but i mean hey man i respect the body of work right i've i've seen the person in in you know in action and i'm like "He, he, he doesn't need to be on my podcast that's okay yeah, I'm not going to try that hard. Are there other? And I meant to ask you when you got Klaus and everything. Are there other older creators that you really would love to talk to? Would you want to talk to Walter at some point? Oh my God! Yeah, I'm dying to talk to Walter. Here's a this is this is the craziest thing that I missed. So I had Howard on. Jake. And Howard loves my podcast. Howard and I have become good friends. He's he just took me right under his wing um, when I met him, and so. I was supposed to go to San Diego one year, and he's like, look, Walter and, and Louise are coming to stay with me before the convention. Now, my brother lives in the same small town in California that Howard lives in. Wow. So, And I always go see my brother. He's like, if you come see your brother, I'll get you, me, and Walt on a podcast. Oh my God. So I was set to do it, but then my deadline shifted. I got I lost some time on the book I was on, and I had to cancel my San Diego trip. So that was one I really would have liked to got. But yeah, I definitely want Walter. I mean, I would love to get all the, I mean, I'd love Sienkiewicz. I'd love all the artists I, sure. I grew up, you know, loving and admiring their work. Um, I mean, I would really like to get Frank Miller. Sure. So, I, I mean, I'd love to get Mignola, all of them, all of them. I'd love That's it. That's awesome. That's, That's great. Probably, yeah. I, uh, well, and I don't, and again, I'm, you know, a little bit older and stuff. So for me, even getting some of the Bronze Age guys has always been a delight for me. And Walter qualifies as such. Sure. And even Howard does to a degree. Yeah. Um, you know, I love Howard. And I and really, especially being, again, a layman, I really appreciate the fact that Howard's always willing to come back. And luckily, I like so much old stuff that is of his era and even older than him. Right. And I mean, that's, you know, in that pre-digital world, in that five television channel world right we, we were exposed you know what i mean we, we were exposed to so many uh black and white movies and, and right. great great books and everything because there just wasn't that proliferation that we have in today's digital world so i mean you know we had no choice but to watch the abbott and costello movies over and over again and <laughs> some you know laurel and hardy and the bowery boys and some of the other things both right. great things and the crap 
because there really was no choice. It was just like, hey, I got to fill 24 hours. You're going to, you know, and it, some stations didn't even go 24 hours. That's true. So, yeah. so luckily, luckily, Howard and I have enough shared like pop culture stuff. And I, I speak enough shake and ease that I can, <laughs> I, I can I can get through a conversation and he knows I'm sincere in my in my enjoyment of the same things that he loves right and every now and then I'll shock him because right, <laughs> right before funny. I right before our last talk I was I'm a huge Turner classic movies guy and you might know Bing Bing Crosby and Bob Hope made those road pictures in the in the 40s and they were very fun fast talking comedies and actually like Bob Hope wasn't schlocky then he was actually funny and contemporary right. for his time and everything well there was an attempt to kind of do the same kind of movies with another singer and another comedian and <laughs> they had none of the charm that hope and crosby managed to get together <laughs> and 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 doris day was their femme not femme fatale but basically the girl in the movies and stuff and they're horrible and i and this was this dennis morgan and jack carson and doris day and i told howard i'm like oh yeah i've been watching these dennis morgan and jack carson we say like, oh my god they're horrible. And I'm like, yeah, man, exactly. And he goes, oh, that's great. You know, he was, and I'm like, oh, there we go. We're off to the races. And plus, <laughs> I love, I always love Howard's comics. His comics are great. He's not afraid to be himself. Oh, I love how, yeah. I mean, he, he was another one, when, like with Klaus. I mean, Times Square, as a student yep. of comics, I learned more from Times Square in terms of how to use sound than any comic had ever taught me. I hear you. I, that's fantastic. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, like, I mean, I, it would have been great to have been able to get someone like Will Eisner or Harvey Kurtzman, just my, my heroes of all heroes. Certainly. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm happy to talk to anyone. And, and I, it's not just comics. I've, I've gotten uh, some, um, I've had a musician, an author, and I'm going to be doing more of that, too, I think. Good, man. Absolutely. You know, don't. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you already know this, but yeah, do do the interviews that you want to do. Yeah. And don't yeah. let anyone tell you, well, that's not what I came for. Yeah, no, like, you know, I've never listened to that. Good. I've always been like, you know, this is for free uh, until I, I mean, I have a Patreon, but it's mainly for free. So if you don't like it, like I don't understand this, this modern sense of entitlement, like where people have to reach out to tell you they don't like it. And then, then don't listen. Like I don't, I don't need your opinion. Don't listen. Yep. Like, no, I agree. You know what? Well, and, it's not for you. It's, well, and and by the same token, I mean, uh, as you said with Marin, yeah, it's just like eh, I'm not really interested when he talks to musicians. I would never go so far as to write him and tell him I don't want you to do that. Right. 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 But but yeah, no, it's and then yeah, it's fine. So I'm I, I feel the same way. And no, no I've, I'm, I've, I'm really happy for him because he his career is is going so well and it, absolutely when it started it wasn't so. And I'll tell you what I I think his comedy is better than ever. Agreed. Agreed. So, you know, I'm still a fan of his comedy, and I loved his TV show. I Me loved too. that show, Marin. I cannot believe it was canceled. It was so good. And the last season was really good. Agreed. Agreed. No, it's a it's a great show. And, yeah, I mean, I like you, I have taken advantage of, hey, do you want to talk to Phil Proctor of the Firesign Theater? Yeah. And it's, it's like anybody under 50 that knows who the Firesign Theater is, I'm really impressed. <laughs> I mean, because I didn't discover them until 15 years into their career when I, when I started listening to their albums in the 80s. 
And they were this great subversive, if you don't know, sketch comedy group from from the West Coast. They're amazing, and there's only two left of the of the original four. The other two wow. passed away. Wow. And Phil Phil Proctor is like one of the guys, and he's to, he just wrote his autobiography two years ago. And I just happen to get because of what I do and going to the conventions and getting on various press lists. It was like, do you want to talk to Phil Proctor? I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah. And again, I mean, you know, it's, you know, I, I would say n- not the 100% listenership that I normally get for Word Balloon decided to download that episode. That's okay. That's fine. Right. right. Yeah. You know, I'm, exactly. I'm, I'm, you know it's, it was thrilling for me. And the I other one. The though, bottom line is I do this for, I mean, the what sure. got me started doing this was doing this for me. Like, sure. I, I mean, and that's my art too. I, I do it for me. If people don't like it, then it's not for them. It's, I hear I, you. I'm not trying to please people. I mean, I hope they like it, but if they like it, it's because they like what I'm doing. Not because I, I don't want the tail wagging the dog. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm with you, man. And also, again, I think, um, you know, the people that have done talk shows for years, um, you know, it's like Johnny Carson. Yeah. I mean, he became a familiar and, and nice, warm presence and stuff. And you did. You tuned in as much to watch him right. to whoever right. as, as you did for the guests and everything. And it was, you know, and I hope that that happens. And I think there is there's a core audience. I'm sure that we both have of people that are just like, no, man, I like you. I like hearing you talk to whoever you want to talk. to. Yeah, I- yeah, so. you're definitely right about that. I think. Yeah. No, it's 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 good, man. So good. Um, yeah, I, I I'm trying to think of what else is. Uh... Um. Well, I actually I gotta get going soon because okay, we can wrap it up. Waiting for me to give her a watercolor lesson. But absolutely. Before yeah, let's we wrap go, up. I want to talk about one more thing I have coming up. Okay. Yes, I'm please. Trying to spread the word about. Sure. Um, a a friend of mine. Uh, she's a hairdresser. Uh, uh, and she had been, she's a single mom and her daughter is very, her dream is to be a marine biologist. She's now a senior in high school and she spent every summer at marine biology camps, getting certifications and scuba diving, all, all sorts of stuff. And my friend, with every dime she makes, she pumps it into her daughter's dream and she had saved about 10 years worth of tips well, maybe not ten years worth, but a lot, a lot of tips uh, in cash, in home, in her house, in her safe, and it was about eight grand worth. And someone broke into her house, knew exactly where to go, uh, used a. It was it was a good safe. I guess there there are ways to crack them with magnets these days. Wow! And cracked the safe and got took all the cash, took nothing else from the house, and left. Jesus. So it was someone she knew, and I, I just—I don't know—it just hit me. And I'd spent a lot of time um, more recently trying to figure out what I can do to to better this world, to use what I do and use what I have to help in some way. I mean, one of the things I, I wrestle with in our current culture is the fact that community is just eroding, and everyone's all about themselves. Yeah. And so uh, this one kind of hit me hard. She's a friend of my wife's, too. And I was just like, wait a minute, I can do something about this. Um, and she she actually trims my beard and her friend does my hair. And it's her friend's, the, the woman who does my hair, it's her salon. So I kind of pulled her inside and said, look, I have this idea. I could ask a bunch of artists I know who I'm friends with if they'd be willing to do a sketch and we can have an auction and give all the money to her and try to get back what she lost at least, maybe more. I don't know. 
Um, and she was like, that's great. And she was all completely behind it, but we both agreed we couldn't tell uh, Jamie, who, who was the one that was robbed, because she would never, she's too proud. She would never hear like hearing this. But after the fact, she would have no choice. So um, I did. I, I have about half of the pieces in my hand now. And on November 1st, we're going to start eBay auctions. Every week, we're going to release four to five pieces uh, for auction that week, and they'll be auctioned off. So every week in November. So by the end of November, it'll be wrapped. Um, and we're also going to have a GoFundMe. And the, every sketch is of Batman, because everyone likes Choice. to artists do Batman. Absolutely. I think we're going to call it I, we're working it out now, but Blessings from Batman, I think, is what it will be called. We'll have an eBay page that they're putting together. Today we talked about that, too. Um, but I've got Klaus Jansen original, Eric Canetti, I mean, Tim Sale. I mean, I've got I've got some incredible pieces of art with more coming in. Um, so I just want to start spreading the word. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you'll see when I put it out. Um, uh, getting the word out through your podcast is very helpful. And I'm My just try, trying to use every avenue I can to spread the word. I told some of the um, – there's a community of, of higher-end art collectors that we know because they come to Essential Sequential and buy a lot from us. So I told some of those guys, hey, we're going to be doing this. So they're waiting for the final word on on um, what it's going to be called and everything. But just through my social media and through every artist we have, we'll be getting the word out. But on November 1st, it's going to start. And that sounds excellent. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's great. That's, a again, a beautiful cause for a local uh, cause and everything. I think that's wonderful. Uh, so remind people, um, you know, Ink Pulp Audio, but like give give all your uh, places where okay. people can yeah. find so all the information. On, on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, I am at Ink Pulp, I-N-K-P-U-L-P, one word. And that's all, that's all my social media. So I'll be, I'll be announcing, you know, the day of the release and I'll be putting links up and all that stuff. But uh, be on the lookout if you're interested in that. We're also going to have a GoFundMe. So if you don't want to buy a piece of artwork but you want to give a buck, we'll have a GoFundMe for the people that want to do that too. Sounds great, man. Excellent. Well done, Sean. Thank you. The great work. And and it sounds, again, if it's any encouragement from a layman, I think you're on the right direction. And and I'm thrilled that you are part of the podcast, Brethren. And uh, absolutely, man. No, it was a pleasure talking to you and continued success. And uh, yeah, sounds like, like I said, you're going in the right direction, man. Keep it up. Thank you. I appreciate it, John. Thanks for having me on. I'm going to praise him, praise him till I'm gone. The blessings go up. The blessings come down. When the praises go up. The blessings come down. It seems like blessings keep falling in my lap. It seems like blessings keep falling in my lap. I don't make songs for free, I make them for freedom Don't believe in kings, believe in the kingdom Chisel me into stone prayer, whistle me into song air Dying laughing with Krillin saying something about blonde hair Jesus black life ain't matter, I know I talked to his daddy Say you the man of the house now, look out for your family 
He has ordered my steps, gave me a sword with a crest, and gave Donnie a trumpet in case I get shortness of breath. Don't be mad. I'm gonna praise him, praise him till I'm gone. When the praises go up, good God, the blessing come down. Good God. When the praises go up, oh, good God, the blessings come down. The blessings come down. When the praises go up, oh, oh, the blessings come down. The blessings come down. When the praises go up. Good God! They booked the nicest hotels on the 59th floor with the big wide windows with the suicide doors. Ain't no blood on my money. Ain't no Twitter in heaven. I know them drugs isn't close. Ain't no visit in heaven. I know the difference in blessings and worldly possessions. Like my ex girl getting pregnant and her becoming my everything. I'm at war with my wrongs. I'm writing four different songs. I never forged it or forfeited. I'm a force to be reconciled. They want four minute song. You need a four hour praise dance performed every morn. I'm feeling shortness of breath. So Nico, grab you a horn. Hit Jericho with the buzzer beater to end the quarter. Watch brick and mortar fall like dripping water. Uh. Keep falling in my lap.